Hi guys, I hope that you will join us today. We're about to start the Cure Radio Show. And it's a very important radio show because it deals with the most difficult thing, at least in my opinion, the most difficult thing there is in life, which is the loss of a loved one. And even more so, loss to suicide. I can't imagine how difficult that is but I know that it happens, and it happens too often, and it's been happening too often these days, for which I fervently pray. So, but we have somebody that can help us with that, who has experienced it, who has been through it, and who knows how to move past it, and learn to live again, and find hope and healing and strengthen her faith. And I hope that it can be helpful for others that may be experiencing the same thing. Please feel free to call in. We're here to help. And Bobby wants to say hello. Oh, yeah. He's a very friendly guy. Absolutely. And Bobby he always has a lot to say. Very friendly, and I don't think I have to say a lot. <laughs> so I'm just saying hi. Join us for the show. It'll be fun. Well, I'll give you the daily weather report. Beautiful <laughs> and sunny. So you're in Miami, Florida. Oh. Well, maybe people want to know oh. what it's like in Florida you're at the moment. Girl. Yes. That's true. And butterflies flying around. That's the best part. You know, there's butterflies around here. Um, I guess they like the trees and the flowers. See, there's another one, so pretty, yellow with black stripes. Uh, we've got Rita on line one. Very good, thank you. Thanks. And so, I mean, some people like mountains, but I don't know if there's butterflies around mountains. <laughs> yeah, there so, is. There is? Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't know they liked mountains. I thought they liked the little flowers with the little red things you know that they yeah there is a uh, flowers with red things in the mountains there is or yellow things or green oh things. because there's mountains in bulgaria he would know yet i've never been around mountains was never the right time whenever you're cold when little by little by little until there was nothing at all our every moment i started to play but all i can think about is seeing that look on your face when you hurt under the surface Like troubled water running cold Well, some can heal but this won't So with Amy Cabo. Life can bring many difficult situations, domestic violence, addictions, poverty, and even sexual abuse by your loved ones. Welcome, Amy Cabo and The Cure. Good afternoon, and welcome to The Cure Radio Show. I'm your host, Amy Cabo, with my amazing partner, Boris. Wow, I made it amazing again this week. Thank you. Because God is good. Oh, our show is available live on your radio, also live through our app, The Cure, on any smartphone, and our website, GodIsTheCure.com. We broadcast live from Miami through satellite, available in 35 radios throughout 11 states, and on SiriusXM channel 131, also live on social media, and after the show, any podcast player. 
I wanted to thank our social media followers, especially since we're reaching an average of 1 million people monthly and Facebook alone. So thank you, and thank God. This show deals with the issues of life, suffering, and the tenacity of the human spirit. We provide testimonials to let people know that we are not alone. In this show, the testimony started with me. We also have experts and inspirational speakers. Since education is necessary, awareness is crucial, and comfort is needed. God was my only cure since everything else failed, but we hope to be a source of healing and information for each other. Life can be challenging, but know this, there's always hope because God is our Father. He is omnipotent, which means all-powerful, and He does love us. The song we played earlier was Before Ye Go by Louis Capaldi. And of course, with the help of the Holy Spirit, this is the message I receive. Abandonment to God's plan replaces desires, attachments, possessions, bad behaviors, and fears. Some suffering can seem like a lifetime. When not blaming ourselves, the pain disappears. We are tempted and tried, tribulations to face. A godless death is what's scary when dying. The faithful know, should we get to heaven, tragedies no more and the end of all lying. Most of us go to purgatory as a second chance, for which we pray as it's more difficult there. God comforts our hearts so we can stop hurting. No feeling unworthy or shame when under his care. A difficult life could be meant for great things. When weathering the storm to nothing at all, ask for wisdom and strength in making it through. Before we go, turn to God who will not let us fall. Today we're talking about suicide loss and eliminating toxic thinking with our special guest, Rita Schultz. Rita Schultz is a licensed professional counselor who specializes in the treatment of mental health disorders. In 2011, she created Heartland Radio, a broadcast show that addresses cutting-edge mental health issues and provides content to educate and equip listeners in how mental health affects our culture. Rita is frequent contributor to many publications and is the author of Shattered, finding hope and healing through the losses of life. Imposter, gain confidence, eradicate shame, and become who God made you to be. A third book, Think This Not. Think This Not That. Correction. Rewiring your brain to eliminate toxic thinking. And the latest one, Surviving Suicide Loss making your way beyond the ruins. She speaks around the country on mental health related issues. She received her bachelor's in psychology and her master's degree in counseling from Liberty University. Rita is no stranger to loss and suffering. In 2013, she lost her beloved husband to suicide and her world was disseminated. She speaks candidly about her loss at her national workshops in the hope of helping others heal. Rita, welcome to The Cure. Super happy to have you here. Thank you, Amy, for having here. me today. Rita, can you tell us a little bit about what is the prevalence of suicide in USA today, and are there any co common factors leading to suicide? Is there any warning signs? Sure. Suicide is now the 10th leading cause of death in the U.S., and the World Health Organization actually predicted that that would be the case by 2020 if something wasn't done to change awareness and to change treatment strategies. And so we see absolutely skyrocketing suicides, especially after the pandemic over the last year and a half. Warning signs, absolutely. There are 
several drivers that are very um, prevalent when someone is thinking about suicide. Primary drivers include things like the inability to problem solve, intense emotional dysregulation, reasons for dying, and a lack of reasons for living, things like loneliness, disconnection, isolation, again, depression, all these things that we've seen so prevalent through the pandemic. Then you got secondary drivers, and these would include things like financial distress, a rupture in attachment bonds, illness, you know, profound loss of some kind, and a lack of belonging. So there's a lot of warning signs that come with those things, uh, some things to look for, or someone who keeps talking about suicide, having a plan, maybe insomnia, they're agitated, there's a marked social withdrawal, uh, immense distress. This isn't just like I'm having a bad couple months. This is immense distress coupled with a sense of hopelessness and reckless behavior and paranoia. Paranoia was something that was really big for my husband. Oh, so paranoia could also be a factor. Absolutely. Because I think most people are aware of, of depression. You have to be careful with somebody who seems to have lost hope. Mm -hmm. um, but, I, I w for example, I wasn't aware of, of paranoia. I thought you're just paranoid, that's it. And I did not know that that can lead to suicide. So, but a, a lot of people have lost hope. Even people who are optimistic have turned pessimistic in dark times like this. <laughs> because yeah, we, my husband was not the average, like he wasn't a depressed person. This happened within the span of four months where he literally wow. lost his mind. And so, oh. yes, extremely depressed, became more isolated and withdrawn, increasingly paranoid, believing people or things were out to get him. So it, it was pretty quick comparatively to a lot of other people that you would hear struggled with suicidal ideation for a number of years or had depressive disorder or bipolarity. So you basically didn't see it coming? I did see it coming once the craziness started. But oh. I never really believed he it would happen. go through with it. Right. Yeah, I mean, he laid there in bed one night and said to me, I could never really do it because I could never live without you and I couldn't leave you with all this mess. But my mistake was believing him. Uh, everybody, my kids, uh, his, his psychiatrist. I mean, he wanted to live. He wasn't a guy who, you know, had that sense of hopelessness. So, yeah, it was wow. pretty shocking. Wow. Even I'm though so he made, sorry. you know, he was making attempts. I'm so sorry. I can't imagine. You must be extremely strong. I know that I made a pact with God. I'm willing to suffer anything in life. I'll take anything, anything. Please take, give me anything. Just don't have a somebody that's close to me that I love die. And yeah. um, actually, my daughter almost died. She was almost killed. And God has been so good to me that he kept that promise. Uh, yeah, I, I totally get that, and uh, I think it was just my faith. I mean, you know, it's it's your faith that sustains you, and you have to just walk through the dark night of the soul, which it was a long journey back for me. I mean, Mike and I were high school sweethearts. We've been together since I was 16. So, yeah, that, it was very, very difficult. That, that's got to be the hardest thing in life. I, I can't imagine how difficult that is. And I pray so hard for the parents who, because the kids have not been in school or because of the lockdown, have killed themselves. I, there isn't a day I don't pray for them. That's, that's, it's just, suicide has become even more prevalent these days. And that's what we're going to discuss when we return. We will continue talking about suicide laws with our special guest, Rita Schultz. Right back with Amy Cabo and The Cure. Amy Cabo and The Cure. This show deals with suffering, the tenacity of the human spirit, and the courage to keep moving forward with the help of God. I want people to know that there's hope. I was forced into my abortion because I didn't think I had a choice. I want people to know there's choices. Well, Amy, my heart is breaking. I just want you to know that I love you and I thank God for you. Amy Cabo and The Cure. Every Saturday at 1 Eastern on The Truth Network. 
Welcome back. This is Amy Cabo. Thanks for tuning in. Yes, I can confirm she is indeed Amy. <laughs> but anyway, remember that you can listen to the radio show live through our app to cure with Amy Cabo or as a podcast. Just look for God is the Cure on any podcast platform and the cure will show up. The song that just played was Thunder Clouds by LSD. Well, that wasn't drug. And in these days, this is the message I got. When we perceive injustice, and feel like losing it doesn't mean we have to. We choose our behavior. Despite negative thoughts, our environment, or labels given, we can be real like Jesus our Savior. Thunderclouds often all around us, missing the love. Values get lost along with faith, leaving souls burning. After fire is produced, the end result is nothing but ashes. It becomes so concerning, many believe Christ is returning. Don't be afraid, God keeps his children under his wing. Difficult trusting others, but Jesus is all people need. Focus on truth, all that is positive and our blessings in life. Praising God, knowing he loves us and will intercede. Deception from hard times can be discouraging, but troubled times allow faith to spread and grow stronger. Don't be dismayed, it will be greater, as God's in control. Loving this world, slaves to sin, many of us are no longer. We're talking about suicide loss with special guest Rita Schultz, author of Surviving Suicide Loss. Rita, for, for many of us that don't have any idea what it's like, or we don't know much about suicide, what and we've never experienced it we've been so blessed not to have experienced it what are some misconceptions about suicide that people may have that it's sin that it's weakness or cowardice an impulsive act that somehow comes out of the blue there are most often warning signs like we talked about earlier most often in some cases there are not Predicting suicidality is never a foolproof process. There are some great assessment tools out there today, but if someone has certain signs and is exhibiting those suicidal drivers, that person should be managed acutely. In the tragedy of suicide, I just think that our loved ones fought against an enemy within, and they lost their battle against themselves. And so I think a big part of it is this whole idea that it's a sin. And the church in particular has historically handled this topic of mental illness with little understanding, and that's, that's a shame. They've kind of missed the mark on that, causing a great deal of added pain uh, for suicide loss survivors. I mean, I've heard all kinds of dreadful things that people have said uh, to survivors. But the idea that mental illness can be prayed away all the time, that depression is all in somebody's mind, or the people who commit suicide uh, are eventually lost. And that, that whole thing is just a horrible thing to lay on a survivor of suicide loss because where you draw your comfort is from your faith and God's mercy. And yes. if this person is sick mentally, okay, we can't see that like we can if somebody has cancer or you know any other type of disease. But a loving God that he would sentence someone that has the mental health issue that is that depressed and dissociated to hell is 
it's just not a good thing for a suicide loss survivor to have to deal with because, you know, our faith tells us that what we've got to look forward to is one day we'll be reunited with our loved ones, right? And, and that's a great point that you're making because the person that, that thinks of suicide or that actually goes through with it, they're not evil. They're hurting. They're people they're that are hurting. hurting. And didn't Jesus Christ come for the people that were hurting? Yeah, I know. I know what it was like to be in that place. I attempted. I thought about it. Uh, I, I, I didn't go through with it. Thank God. But it, it, any of us could be lost at any given point, and we're lost because we're hurting, not because we're evil. And I think hell's for evil people, not hurting people. Absolutely, so. and a merciful God knows that. He knows the hearts of His children. Well, you know, there's always purgatory even if you don't make it to heaven god is so merciful he even gives us a second chance here you're not equipped for heaven yet but you can learn some more in purgatory hey it's not a bad deal as long as you stay away from being evil <laughs> i'm going straight to heaven oh okay <laughs> <laughs> me too boris <laughs> he's a funny guy <laughs> No, well, I'm definitely going to purgatory. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have to learn some more. So, but, um, you know, some people say committed suicide, and we shouldn't say that. And so how can we be more sensitive about that? Yeah, the term may seem innocuous, but it's really laden with blame and stigma, and so we're really trying to be uh, sensitive to this. And so mental health and media organizations really recommend that we don't use that uh, terminology. The term committed suicide is damaging because for many people it evokes associations that the person committed a crime or a sin that's unpardonable, makes us think of something morally reprehensible or illegal the person did. But it also, even more, ignores the fact that suicide is often the consequence of an unaddressed illness, a mental health issue, like we were just talking about, depression something people aren't going to just snap out of. Something is literally going on in the brain, and we have oceans and oceans of research now that, that allows us to actually do brain scans and, and compare a person who has uh, severe depression or other kinds of mental health issues compared to a normal brain. So you don't commit a heart attack, right? Instead, you might hear somebody say, I died from a heart attack. Dying okay. by suicide is the same thing. And so when we attach the word committed, it further discriminates against those who lost their battle against the disease. Right. And we're trying a, to eliminate, you know, these negative stereotypes. It has a negative connotation, mm -hmm. and we want to try to stay away from that. A lot of people don't know this because that's what you hear on the news, and that's what you hear people in our environment talk about. Just like, I don't like the word pride. I like better gratitude. But you never hear gratitude. You always hear pride. <laughs> they're mm -hmm. so proud instead of they're so grateful, but that's okay. You know, I guess the times have changed. But yeah, they, they, they died. They succumbed to suicide. Um, it, and it is, it has to be, you're, it is an illness and it, it is very sad and it's, it's not something that we do on purpose. I don't think anybody wants to die on purpose. So I, I, go, I get you there. But in your opinion, since you've experienced such a thing, what's the most important task for a survivor of suicide loss? What's the best thing they can do? Well, what I do with clients and what was the most important task for me was understanding the meaning that the person has attached to a suicide. So, Okay, so hold that thought. We'll get back to that because we're about to get cut off. So yeah. we'll talk about this when we return. Yeah, we'll continue talking with Rita Schultz about suicide loss and more specifically what the person surviving a suicide loss should do. Call us if you have a question. 1-866-34-TRUTH. 1-866-34-TRUTH. Right back with Amy Cabell and The Cure.
stop until I make you mine. You know that I won't stop until I make you mine. Until I make you mine. Put your hand in mine. And now we will continue with Amy Cabo and The Cure. Welcome back to The Cure with Amy Cabo and Boris. Thank you for being with us. Remember, we're live every Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern on your radio, on our app, The Cure, and our website, GodIsTheCure.com. And there is a podcast, obviously. Everybody has a podcast. So <laughs> you can see this one, whatever podcasts are. Just look for God is the Cure, and The Cure will show up. Not everybody. A lot of people. Well, okay. Lots of people. To be more specific. Okay, millions of people. <laughs> okay. Well, the song that just played was Make You Mine. I swear God sings that to us, but it's really public that sings it. You mean public? Public. It's, it's a Oh, it's group. a band, not yeah. the star. Yeah, they, they're okay. singers. Okay. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so <laughs> this is what I get. Praise God. Sing hallelujah in the midst of a storm. Say it out loud with a confident and a strong tone, knowing it's God's providence and we are on track. Demons leave those not needing to win over alone. When getting to know God, hard the demons try, and the stronger we come thanks to God's grace. God gives his all while patiently guiding our path. We become his, taking it slow and allowing our pace. Despite having God, problems can be serious or more, but less intense because we trust God and we pray. Better decisions, it works out, all falls into place. Never a time we're let down without help on the way. Think of our pleas when praying. Don't get, please, don't get frustrated with the process, forgiving if we don't get it right. Do we not realize God knows our heart? At least we are trying. Holy soul set for heaven is his delight. We're talking with special guest Rita Schultz about suicide loss. And if you're considering hurting yourself and you're listening to us now, there is help. You can, for example, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline 1-800-273-TALK. So before we went into break, we were talking about if you're faced with the horrible tragedy of losing someone to suicide what is the most important task as a suicide survivor and I, and Rita would tell us best <laughs> sure I think the meaning the person is attached to the suicide is going to be the first big huge piece so I'm interested in what a client is believing about self God and the world around them now See, because everything they thought they had figured out about life, all those explanatory styles we all have, they're not going to work after the suicide because a bomb's gone off in their life and everything they believe has come into question. So they're going to be struggling with their belief systems. And so what they need is to experience a different reality apart from the hell they're living. And so as a therapist, how do I help make that happen? By encouraging them to take some risks. Because they need more than an intellectual understanding that life can be different or better. They need an experiential knowing of that. Because what do we know about new experiences? Well, they create new thought patterns. They bring new perspectives. They rewire neural networks. And they foster post-traumatic growth. So the reality that someone like I was living in as a suicide loss survivor at the beginning of this tragedy, probably for the first year and a half, was only a small way of looking at reality. So survivors can't imagine a life moving forward, right? They don't see that. But they are capable of experiencing a different reality. It just takes time, sometimes lots of time. And it'll look different in each person's life. In my life, in the early stages, just seeing my kids and my grandkids was a lifeline. So you focused on what you did have, on what was good in your life, and right. you just accepted what was as something that ha will pass, and it's the past, and you're dealing with the present and how you can make the best with what you have at the present. Because after all, you had to be there for your grandkids, 
And a lot of times... Yeah, and that was very difficult because for the first few months, it was I could barely get out of bed and get in the shower. But I was very blessed that God provided so many incredible people, family, friends, dear friends who walked alongside of me. And that was another, that's another big, huge piece. Uh, And research bears this out, attachment theory bears this out, that having people walking alongside of you in a tragedy like this is very healing. The therapeutic relationship itself can be very healing. So I was really blessed to have uh, a lot of folks walking alongside of me to help me heal. Especially children, I, I, I could promise, I, I really think that children are angels God sent from heaven, and there's just a special magic children have that can be extremely helpful. And dogs. Absolutely. Well, dogs too, okay, but and that, children yeah, mostly. That, that could be the case as well, right? Whatever no we attach ourselves Not cats. to. Very calming, no very healing. They are man's best friend. Mm-hmm. True story. But speaking of children, you know, it's become, suicide has become very prevalent in children, and the cases are rising every year. So how can parents talk to their kids about suicide and suicide loss and prevention? Well, I think it depends on how old the child is, for sure. But the key is that parents do talk, because a lot of people just shut it down. Uh, but we forget people are cho- children are people too, right? Uh, they're curious and they want to know the whys just like we do and science silence only fuels dysfunction and your ideas about how to communicate about grief and loss will influence your willingness to talk to your children so a lot of times we buy in to myths from the time that we're very young about how to handle grief and loss for example you don't talk about it you sweep it under the rug you have to be strong you pull yourself up by your bootstraps Uh, your loved one wouldn't want you to be sad, and all those things impact our behavior and how we relate to others. But children can also be fearful about the other parent, the remaining parent, if one of their parents is the one who took their life. They're afraid that the other parent will leave, and they'll have no one. So they may become clingier, they may exhibit anxiety, they may have angry outbursts or act out in some other way. They may exhibit behavioral difficulties at school or regress in some area of their lives. And this is especially true of six to eight years old. So you, you want to assure your kids that you're going to be there, you're going to be present, you're managing your own grief, and that they aren't responsible for managing your grief. Because that happens a lot, too. A kid will feel like, oh, I've got to take care of mom or dad, right? And that's unhealthy. I learned the hard way that there are times that you don't know, you really don't know what's going on with your child. And we get so busy with our lives and what we're doing that we think, oh, just taking care of them is good enough. But it's not. I found it helpful to take a moment to spend some time each day just to talk to her, just to share things with her, have her share things with me, the same thing with my son, although he doesn't like to talk a lot. But, you know, you give them that one-on-one time to let them know that they have someone, that they have someone they can turn to, let them know that those lines of communications are available and they don't have to deal with things alone. Yeah, and let them ask questions because, again, they're going to be curious. And so age-appropriately, you can, and I have a lot of helps in the book uh, for that and break it up into ages so it helps people, like a roadmap, what you might say to you know, younger kids and your teenagers and older, you know. It's, oh, it's all nice. There, so. Yes, because at different stages mm-hmm. you, you say different things. Exactly. <laughs> it's different. But the key is you to. say something. Because right. I had people in my suicide loss group, one lady was in her 50s before her mother actually told her that how her father died was by suicide. Wow. And that creates a whole plethora of issues for folks. Yeah, it's better to tell them earlier than later, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, because then they feel like, why didn't you tell me all this time? Mm-hmm. And so. then they've got to start a grief journey, you know, at 50 years old. and it's Yeah. And so, but um, for, su- for survivors, how does self-compassion help? I think that's something that you really begin to want to talk to folks about early on even if they're not ready so it's basically attached to shame Uh, if if a person is experiencing guilt or shame because of the 
the loss, the suicide, then I want to go in and, and explain to people, help them see themselves in part. So there is a compassionate part of you, right? But that compassionate part is usually given out to others and not for yourself. So can we begin to grow that part of self-compassion up and understand that you did the best you could for what you knew? And, um, so did and it's not your fault. And it's not your fault. Uh, we, a lot of us like to blame ourselves. Yes, and we'll continue talking about that a little bit after the break with uh, Rita Schultz and more about suicide loss. We will be right back with Amy Cavill and The Cure. This is Anne Graham Lotz with Daily Light for Daily Living. Who's being critical of your faith, especially when things are difficult? Saying things like, if God really loved you, he'd heal you. Or, if God really loved you, he wouldn't have allowed you to lose your job. Or, if God really loved you, he'd bring your spouse back. It's wrong, and it's wicked for others to tempt you to doubt God's love. The proof of God's love is the cross. Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates his own love in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The cruelest taunt hurled at Jesus on the cross was surely the suggestion if God really loved him, he wouldn't have allowed him to be in that situation. But God had spoken and declared, this is my beloved son. Even on the cross, taunted and tempted, Jesus knew God loved him. Listen to me, God does love you. There is no if about it. God loves you. This is Ann Graham Lotz. Amy Cabo and The Cure. This show deals with suffering, the tenacity of the human spirit, and the courage to keep moving forward with the help of God. I want people to know that there's hope. I was forced into my abortion because I didn't think I had a choice. I want people to know there's choices. Well, Amy, my heart is breaking. I just want you to know that I love you and I thank God for you. Amy Cabo and The Cure. Every Saturday at 1 Eastern on The Truth Network. We live in an on-demand world. Time, weather, meals, and content. That's why The Truth Network has The Truth Podcast Network. Some of your favorite Truth Network programs, plus some that are podcast only. Rich content that is rich in the word. Truth Talk with Stu Epperson Jr. Podcast. Stu is tall, Stu is funny, and Stu is in love with the Lord. Truth Talk digs deep into the word of God every time with humor, friends, heart, and soul. Listen, Truth Talk with Stu Epperson Podcast at Truth Network. continue with Amy Cabo and The Cure. Hi again and thanks for tuning in. We're live every Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern on your radio, on our app The Cure, and on social media. Just look for God is The Cure. And again, later the show will be a podcast. Just search for The Cure with Amy Cabo. Now Amy spelled with an I and a double E or type in God is The Cure and the podcast The Cure will show up. The song that just played was Days of Elijah, Sure Feels That Way, by Robin Mark. And this is my message. God makes anything possible. Most limitations are set by us. What, will be, what we believe is what it will be. When we are blind, we can misguide ourselves and not realize how much more there's to see. Led by lies the enemy provides and we entertain, when tired of actions regretted, that's when they end. Heartbreaking things in life need much prayer, taken care of when God becomes our best friend. 
These days we will grow, shape up, or ship out. Elijah's spirit is with us despite anguish and trial. Advice about God's reign and prepare his return. No time to continue in sinning or live in denial. Our voice will be heard, salvation will come. God's children restored, the righteous will shine. Raise our spirits to trumpets, angels will blow. Rise to our King, Jesus, who is just and divine. We are continuing our conversation with our special guest, Rita Schultz, author of Surviving Suicide Loss, talking about suicide. Just as important as it is to forgive others, we must also forgive ourselves. Rita, what are some of the protective factors that might exist for clients that you have noted over time? Well, a protective factor is something that motivates the client to live uh, after a traumatic event such as suicide loss. So, as I mentioned earlier, for me it was my kids and my grandkids. If someone's considering suicide as a viable option, appeal to what may give them reasons to find hope. And it's imperative that the therapeutic alliance with the counselor creates a collaborative effort so the client doesn't feel alone. So I always tell my clients okay. that you're not alone. I'm here walking alongside of you. And right. that's a big deal when you've gone through this kind of loss because it's natural to feel very, very isolated and alone as a suicide loss survivor. And is there treatment options that you have found helpful for clients that have been suicidal or that have experienced a loss? Yes. Uh, there's a huge mind-body connection with trauma. And so talk therapy alone isn't enough. You have to incorporate body-based therapies, somatic therapies, because trauma is stored in the body, and the body keeps the score. So things like sensory motor therapy, where you use a cognitive therapy and somatic techniques to release the trauma. So for example, when I found my husband, I ran screaming from our bedroom, and then I collapsed downstairs on the floor, curling up into a fall. And that kept happening every time I relived the traumatic memory. And that behavior literally gets encoded in the brain. We call it procedurally learned behavior. So when I'd get triggered, I'd often curl up into a ball because that's what I did that day. And so the work then becomes about breaking those procedurally learned patterns. And how I did that was by people literally had to get me up like off the sofa or whatever and we would walk around and around the house and I would slap my hands together because that's snapping my prefrontal cortex, the rational part of my brain back online where your emotional brain is continually firing out this danger signal, right? Because you're reliving the traumatic memory. Only it's not happening in the here and now, but because other parts of the brain get stuck or freeze, you know, time freezes, uh, the hippocampus, which is responsible for encoding memory gets stuck and you feel like you're living the, the traumatic memory over and over again in the here and now. And so we would break those patterns with certain types of interventions. So, you know, brain scan research shows that traumatic memories are encoded implicitly as body and emotional states rather than in narrative form, and that makes sense because trauma isn't recorded as a coherent narrative with a beginning, middle, and end. I remember very little about the actual event after that, curling up in a ball downstairs. And so, you know, it's, it's only isolated sensory imprints, images, sounds, accompanied by feelings of helplessness and terror. So basically, you, you, became, you hold on to the emotions where you continue living in the past. Though Absolutely. In the, in the Bible, God says, forget the things of the past. You are made new. Whatever's in the past, you know, you can start over. The past will not affect you. It shouldn't affect you. And there's a lot of talk about this in the Bible. How, does, how is having a relationship with God helpful? How does God come into play? And can you make any sense of this without God? Hmm. Well, my answer would be no, only because it gives me an eternal perspective. I, I can't imagine walking through a tragedy of this magnitude without a relationship with God, because a relationship with God is the plumb line for my worldview, <clears throat> my belief system, and I was able to incorporate that into my belief system. So sometimes when these traumatic events happen, uh, people can't 
assimilate that into their already established beliefs. So they might think, well, because this horrible thing happened, <clears throat> I can't believe all that about God anymore because a good God wouldn't really allow that to happen. And so they have to change their belief systems, right? Well, I'm not going to believe in God anymore, and that solves the problem. For me, I was able to incorporate that into my already existent uh, <clears throat> life because God was everything for me. I'm not saying I didn't question God. I'm not saying any of that, uh, that I didn't get angry at God for certain things. But at the end of the day, that work is hugely important, what people's concept of God is, because you can't really sit on the sidelines with that. It's going to impact your entire life trajectory, what you believe about God. And so I, I think that that's really uh, necessary work. Uh, something that I was really interested in because, you know, let's face it, people's concept of God is going to get challenged sorely. Uh, we all want to think we're working a formula, A plus B equals C, right? If I do this and that. It, it, but if the story doesn't have a happy ending, it's a lot more difficult to, you know, keep your faith intact. And I was really interested in that when I wrote my first book, Shattered, this idea of how do people make it back from severe adversity and still keep their faith intact while others may seem to lose the battle for their faith altogether. Well, let me ask you this one question. You seem to be helping a lot of people because you're very honest, you're very expressive, and you have a true desire to help others. And you seem to be making a positive impact in the world today. Was any of this happening before your tragic loss? Well, I was a counselor, and I you know, had written the first book, uh, some people say, well, do you think that prepared you for the tragedy? Because Shattered came out, and two months later, my husband took his life. I was doing the radio show. Yeah, things were, you know, they were moving. But I, I think for me, the meaning-making that I came out with was I want to redeem this tragedy, and with God's help, how do I do that? And so I just stayed the course and was faithful to whatever doors opened, uh, I'm speaking around the country now on a very large platform. I, I can't say that there's a silver lining in that. I mean, there's this meaning-making reconstruction that we all have to do when we've gone through a loss that challenges our tacit assumptions about the world and our beliefs. But the silver lining, lining would be if I can help another person who's going through this struggle make it back, right, then praise God. To him be the glory. Well, I'm not going to have all the answers. You know, and I'm for okay any, with that now. For, if for anything at all, it's more meaningful now because you exemplify incredible, amazing faith. Something we can Thank all you. learn from. And we almost finished you today's show. Only a few <laughs> minutes left. And so um, we're at the end of the show, Rita. It's it's been really wonderful having you on the show. And I hope we've been able to help others. Thank you so much for being with us today, Rita. Thank you, Amy. More information on Rita Schultz, author of Surviving Suicide Loss, can be found on our website, GodIsTheCure.com, under Radio Show and Guests. So let's finish with a prayer. God of all comfort, who comforts your children in times of affliction, Comfort those who are grieving in their time of extreme loss. Minister to the indescribable pains that gnaws at their heart every moment of every day. Help them to remember Jesus and his indescribable suffering so that they will run to him as the faithful and compassionate high priest for every sinner who turns to him in repentant faith. God of peace, Govern their hearts in this time of great confusion. Help them to take their thousand questions and what-ifs which swirl furiously in their minds to Jesus, the Prince of Peace, who has the power to calm the storm. As the Holy Spirit helps them to take their anxieties to you in prayer, flood their souls with the peace that passes all understanding. When they cannot pray, when their hearts and minds are so overtaken by grief that they cannot find a word, remind them that the Holy Spirit prays for true believers when they don't know how to pray. Amen. Remember guys, 
God said this world would not be easy. There would be trials and tribulations, that he will always be with us, and he will always help us. Thank you to the wonderful people that work with us for having us on the air. And please check out Robbie Dilmer's show, Kingdom Pursuit. Really classy guy. At 11 a.m. Eastern, he's a funny guy. He's pretty nice, and he's got great guests. This is Amy Cabo. You have been listening to The Cure. Please check our podcast. I guess I'm the podcast guy. But anyway, The Cure with Amy Cabo. Our app, The Cure, our website, GodIsTheCure.com. Thank you to our listeners for being with us. And until next week, be kind. Always give it your best. Be true to yourself and others. But most importantly, guys, keep the faith. And always choose peace. And for next Saturday show, we're going to have Michael Levitt. We're going to talk about burnout. Thank you. In my opinion. For more information or to get Amy's book, Love is the Answer, God is the Cure, or to listen to the podcasts of previous shows, visit GodIsTheCure.com.